Welcome to the We Are SE podcast. This is Eric McKinney, joined by Greg Katz. Greg, uh, st- it's a few days later, and you know, still thinking about that twenty-eight twenty-seven win for for USC against Arizona State last Saturday. Before we start looking ahead to Arizona, wanted to let you go back a little bit and 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 maybe put a bow on on that game. Kind of some some thoughts you had, and maybe lingering thoughts now going into Arizona and, and spinning it forward a little bit from that Arizona State game? Well, uh, you know, I still think, Eric, um, they were lucky, incredibly lucky. The three things happened at the game last uh, four minutes that, uh, you know, 98 out of uh, 100 times uh, would never have happened, a tip pass in the end zone, an onside kick recovery, and uh, threading the needle on fourth and nine. They were all, all had to be you know, the fact they came so close together, bing, 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 that, um, you know, they were, they were just fortunate. I think that, that that's, you know, that, that opened up some other questions, uh, two specifically for me, which was, uh, number one, what's going on with Drake Jackson, uh, not in terms of his ability, or, but it seemed to me that the position he's in for some reason that's beyond me he seems he's in no man's land and uh he's not making commanding the presence that he should be making uh throughout the game rather he made a great play at the end harassing the quarterback but you know i think they're gonna have to reevaluate it and i think i think todd orlando knows that so uh will be interesting to see how it goes and the offensive side i was a little concerned because i read a quote that um Graham Harrell says we should have scored 50 points uh, on that team. We should have did the, we should have, you know, we should have scored way, way amount more amount of points. Well, here's the point. I know they had turnovers. I, that I get, but you know, with 50, you know, after 56 minutes, you've scored only 14 points and your running attack is, uh, you know, again, a question mark of commitment and so on and so forth that makes me think that, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, whether I should expect or any other USC fan should expect greater production in that area, uh, you know, is really uh, a high leverage question. You know, the, the, it is what it is part of that to me really sort of speaks to what's going on right now. I, I mean, I think USC, you, you are what you are. You, you aren't what you could be. And then when you say, what should USC fans expect? Uh, I think that at, at this point, this is the kind of team to expect, a, a team that's capable of making some fantastic plays and having a, a few guys on either side of the ball just have tremendous games. But if you're expecting now everything to come together and them to just roll teams out of the stadium – I don't think that, that that that's what you should expect from this team. I think it's possible that that could happen. I think that's absolutely a possibility. But at, at this point, there always seems to be sort of some kind of extenuating circumstance, you know, in a game that explains away, oh, why we didn't, you know, put that team away, why, why they weren't able to put together 45, 50 points. You know, last year, there was a lot of talk about kind of how many plays they would run. And it seemed like every game, there was a re oh you know we only ran 65 plays in that game because of this you know that those sort of like i said extenuating circumstances feels like that's always always there it, it was oh penalties held us back and that's the reason we couldn't get there this one it's turnovers held us back and, and you know i think that's true but 
like you said, at a certain point, you can't just keep blaming, oh, you know, we, we were just this far away from putting it all together and, and winning by 40 against that team. So I think that the, the, the ingredients are there for sure to put something together, especially when you've got a team like Arizona coming up that, that has nothing but questions and they weren't able to play last week. So they haven't really been able to start figuring anything out uh, as far as their team in this season goes. But I just, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where every game seems to have some kind of frustration associated with it. And uh, until you sort of prove maybe a few weeks in a row that that's not the case, I, I just don't know how you can kind of buy into, yes, we're definitely going to see that going forward. So, so I think that this Arizona State game, you know, in, in terms of the run defense, in terms of the short yardage offense, in terms of being able to, from USC's offensive perspective, see what's going on quickly. I mean, when you're kind of watching the, the replay and, and Joel, Cla Joel Clatt, the, the uh, color commentator, he says, hey, this is what BYU did. This is what Notre Dame did. This is not a, a super difficult thing to figure out what Arizona State's doing. And there isn't a quick, we can just go to this and, and solve that. And we can just lean heavy on the running game. And that answer is there. I, I think that's going to continue you know, to, to plague this USC offense going forward. And so, like you said, having some major kind of long-term questions coming out of that Arizona State game, I think that's fair. Do you see anything that that is a quick fix? And maybe the Arizona game kind of cures some things um, for you, for, for some of the questions that you have. Well, not, not to be uh, condescending in terms of my personal evaluation is, to me, uh, I'm sure this is this is coming at now. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I think, honestly speaking, we're going to see a very, uh, should we say, uh, lackluster, impressive, talent, uh, barren, uh, basically Arizona team, and I suspect SC could name the score if they want, and then they'll give the illusion, and you'll hear quotes like, "This is the type of team we expected," and you know, we look great out there, but you know what? I think USC fans are very sophisticated fans. It's like you can't sneak a lamb chop past a wolf. And many USC fans are veterans of the Pete Carroll era or the Pete Carroll and the John McKay era. You know, they know what they know and they've learned from watching and they've learned from listening. And uh, I don't think you can do coach speak with the uh, majority of these people. Uh, you, you can't sit there and say, we should have, we should have. Look at, if you should have, you would have. You know, it's uh, like the old cliche, we should have beaten them. Well, if you should have beaten them, you would have beaten them. And I don't think you can come out with comments like before the season, I'm really impressed with our offensive line, and then play Arizona State and get stuffed on two successive third and fourth down in one yard to go type of deal. Because, you know, all of a sudden, the credibility that you have goes down the drain. And right now, I think there is a credibility gap uh, in some areas. Uh, I don't want to, uh, I don't think it's fair to take Todd Orlando and, you know, put him up on there on a, you know, crucify him because they had no spring practice. They have a new system. Uh, they're learning about their players. They didn't get to learn enough about them in the spring, obviously, because there was no spring ball. So I can cut him slack very easily. But by, this, by the third game, we'll have a better idea. 
I don't have as much patience per se in evaluation with the offense. Graham Harrell, uh, you know, he is in his second season. It's a veteran offensive team going. And when you say, do I expect any changes? Well, I don't know. You know, I mean, last year, you know, we talk about the Arizona game. And I remember, you know, I think we all remember the electrifying debut of, uh, you know, Keenan Christon at tailback and the explosive runs that he had. You know, we all remember that. And that's what we probably might see, uh, you know, come, come Saturday in Tucson. But, you know, this gets down to play calling. And this gets down to, I think I've said this until I thought my face was going to drop off, misdirection runs, which Arizona State did do. Uh, you know, screens, draws. It's just not, I don't think he can change. Let's put the, the old saying, a leopard doesn't change its spots. I don't think he can change. And this is what he presents. And, uh, you know, I think USC fans want to see that USC team that we know can be the one of the best teams in the country. And we're not Texas Tech. Uh, we don't want to be Texas Tech. Anybody who tells me SC wants to be Texas Tech probably should not be an SC fan uh, or has no idea about the tradition, the story tradition of the legendary program. And I think Arizona gives you a, a chance to get healthy. I think that Arizona uh, gives you a chance to kind of get your season going in the, in the trajectory you want. And boy, is it a nice feeling, I'm sure, for USC coaches and players to be putting this game plan together and, and reviewing that Arizona State film after a win. I mean, I, I think this season, and we talked about it before the season, you really couldn't talk enough about how important that Arizona State game was just in terms of setting up the rest of your season. If you lose to Arizona State, you are drowning in the, in the Pac-12 South, trying to make that up in almost no time at all with, with how many games you have left. The fact that they're, that, that USC's 1-0 and now Todd Orlando, the, the defensive staff, even Graham Harrell with, with some of the offensive pieces there, you've got some film and, and you have the ability to kind of put things together. And Todd Orlando talked on, uh, on Wednesday uh, at length about kind of what he needs to do and, and what the linebackers specifically need to do against that run defense. Arizona is, you know, they're never listed with Oregon, you know, maybe with USC, with, with Washington, with some of those, you know, big Pac-12 offenses. Uh, no Pac-12 team has run for more yards since the 2016 season than Arizona has. This is a team, and yes, they, they had Khalil Tate, a quarterback, and now he's not there anymore. Uh, but this is a team that can get it done offensively. They can pile up yards on the ground, through the air. Uh, it, it's Grant Gannell at quarterback right now. And Gary Brightwell at running back, those are not two names super familiar uh, to USC fans. But Gunnell played a little bit against USC last year, came in through two touchdown passes late. He also threw his only interception of the year uh, against USC. And, and Gary Brightwell is an, another kind of big, you know, talented running back. I, I don't think he's J.J. Taylor with the, the speed and elusiveness that, that J.J. Taylor brought. But uh, this is an offense that is going to run a lot of up-tempo stuff, and, and Todd Orlando compared it to getting ready to play kind of a, a Navy or a triple option team with how assignment sound you need to be in this RPO heavy offense. And, and again, the quarterback, Grant Goodell, he is not going to run it the way Arizona State's Jaden Daniels ran it, the way he could just get loose and, and pick up 25, 30 yards uh, on a scramble. 
but he attacks you, I think, a little bit more with his arm and a little bit more, you know, after a play action, he can roll a little bit and, and get it out to a wide receiver quickly. So when Todd Orlando talks about how they missed some assignments and they had some alignment issues, this Arizona State offense can take advantage of that. What, what are you watching for when Arizona has the ball, USC's defense is out there. You mentioned Drake Jackson. I, I mentioned a few of the linebackers. Keys to you uh, for this game as far as USC defensively. Well, one of the areas that I thought uh, exposed themselves against Arizona State was I don't think, and this this product of not having Jay Tefeli is, I don't think SC is especially quick off the ball on the defensive line. I don't think they have that explosive where they can attack and have the speed to get upfield to, to create a problem. Now, you know, Grant Gannell is, you know, he is, uh, I believe I had read in his bio, is the all-time leading prep passer in, in Texas high school football history. That's an okay He's, state to, to have that record in. I, I, exactly. 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 So, you know, that's his forte. Now, they, you know, they run a very big spread uh, option. But I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, he's not Khalil Tate, and that's going to be a big difference. The question is, is can they get to Gunnell uh, without losing something uh, in the transition of that type of offense uh, while you're trying to sack him? Uh, you know, it's, it's possible that they, you know, they'll, they'll do a lot of misdirection and stuff that'll, you know, kind of hold the defensive line uh, in, in place. And when you're not an overly fast uh, first-step defensive line group, uh, you can't make up for, uh, you know, your hesitations and that sort of stuff. So that'll be very interesting to watch in, in, in those terms. I, I think that Gary Brightwood is a really good running back. Uh, granted, he's not, uh, you, know, uh, you know, JJ back there for, uh, for Arizona, but he is a big physical running back and uh you know i think what uh, you got to remember that uh this is arizona's first game so they're gonna make mistakes that they maybe wouldn't make in the second game just like the trojans had the benefit now of having a game under their belt so it'll be very interesting to see if their offense doesn't turn the ball over just in execution since you know last week they didn't play because uh problem with uh, covid uh so uh you know, I mean, they have a good receiver in Jamari Joyner, uh, but I don't think the other receivers are going to, you know, set the world on fire. But uh, it'll be it'll be very interesting to watch uh, how SC attacks uh, Gunnell. Yeah, I think the key this week is is actually those cornerbacks. I mean, there's there's so many questions about the defensive line. What how is Drake Jackson uh, used? Can the linebackers kind of figure things out and, and shore that up? But Todd Orlando, he, one of the things he said is the cornerbacks provided him as a play caller such a relief to where he said throughout the game, he said there was at no point do you kind of look downfield and think, oh, man, I'm, I'm glad the quarterback missed that guy. You know, we, we had a bust and he got open. You know, there, there were no throws deep down the field um where, where you know they were able to pick up big chunks of yards and I think the cornerbacks that there were a couple flags but overall played really well against once Frank Darby went out a very very young and experienced inexperienced group of wide receivers for Arizona State you mentioned about Jamar Joyner for Arizona 
uh, a redshirt sophomore that they've got some older guys. Brian Castile's a wide receiver. He's a redshirt junior and they've got, you know, guys that are not true freshmen that are going to play. I think this, despite Arizona State's guys being, you know, higher profile recruits and, and four-star guys, I, I think this is a, a taller, tougher task because of the, the scheme asks you to play pass coverage against plays that look a whole lot like runs for a long time. Uh, you, you need to stay with guys and you're playing against more experienced wide receivers. I, I think that's a tougher task. And those corners need to allow Todd Orlando to bring pressure and to throw extra guys up front. So I, I think you need the same kind of success uh, from Elijah Griffin, from Chris Steele and, and Isaac Taylor Stewart in there too, where maybe the safeties can come up a little bit and, and help out the linebackers. And, and you can do some things like that uh, where, where you can really rely on those corners. Uh, that, that's a spot uh, that I'm watching. Again, so much of the, the simple answer up front is, can you shut down the run with the defensive line and, and the linebackers and can they do better kind of filling holes and, and not letting running backs get loose a little bit. But I think a lot of that maybe starts with how comfortable you are uh, with those cornerbacks uh, out there and, and what you can allow them to do. Flipping over to well, I the think, others. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that um, you have to tailor the excitement of uh you know, the, the cornerback play, because Arizona State, once they lost Darby, uh, the Trojan corners were experienced, Steele and, and uh, Griffin, basically toyed with uh, the wide receivers of uh, Arizona State. Pushed them around, really, yeah. It pushed them around, exactly. I mean, if you, if you, if you just, just, you know, uh, subtract the consecutive holding penalties by Steele, uh, they pretty much had their own way. So the question will be is what happens when they face elite uh, wide receivers? I don't know the rest of the way if they're really going to face elite wide receivers until maybe they play, uh, if, if they play Oregon, uh, which we'll wait and see. But, um, you know, you got you to ask who are they playing? What's the talent level they're playing against? And uh, certainly take each game as it comes and a win is a win. So flipping to the other side, USC, when USC has the ball, I mean, when, when you look at Arizona's defense, this was a team uh, that was just decimated by the transfer portal. I mean, they, they had guys jumping in there just left and right. They, they lost, uh, you know, a bunch of their best tacklers at the linebacker position. Colin Schooler and, and Tony Fields both could have come back. They're out. Uh, Scotty Young is another guy that they lost. I, I believe it's it's five out of their six top tacklers um, are, are you know not there anymore. Uh, I took a look: 360 tackles from last year in five out of those top six tacklers from that 2019 team are not there uh, this year for Arizona. So you've got a guy in in the middle at, at linebacker Anthony Pandy who's number eight again USC saw a, a very good number eight linebacker uh, last week in Merlin Robertson for Arizona State but it's there, there are a lot of questions for this Arizona defense and again not getting that game last week even though it, it would have been against Utah maybe maybe they're happy that they didn't see kind of what happened in, in that first game but uh this is a defense that certainly if you're USC or a USC fan, you think, okay, this, this is where we get 
on track. Maybe Arizona's biggest point is that they were able to bring over two grad transfers uh, for the offensive line from New Mexico and, and New Mexico State. And that's kind of that's kind of the, the spot on defense where maybe if you're an Arizona fan, you're you're the happiest about is, is adding a couple grad transfers there. But, uh, you know, J- Jalen Harris is a guy making the same kind of transition that, that Drake Jackson is, a really good defensive end who's kind of playing a little bit of that stand-up linebacker. Certainly nobody that you're expecting, okay, they've, they've got guys that can shut down the run game or, or shut down the pass game for USC. Well, I'll tell you what, and I don't think it's a state secret by any stretch of the imagination. If, if Arizona, despite losing, uh, you know, fields at linebacker, we should point out that the, the Trojans were very interested in fields coming over to USC to play linebacker. Yep. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think he went to Minnesota. Uh, West, West, a couple of them went to West Virginia is, is okay. where they fields okay. and got young. Uh, you know, he was a player that SC wanted. Uh, you know, and Schooler was well-known coming out of high school in Orange County. In fact, there was a couple of Schoolers. And, um, you know, the amount of the defenders they lost was really, uh, in a lot of ways, almost decapitating of their defense. But I will say this. If they don't come out in a defense that somehow resembles uh, dropping eight back then they deserve to get punished badly <laughs> because the point is, is everybody that's playing SC should be in a, a, a three, three, four, uh, you know, seven, whatever the case may be, three, four, you know, eight, eight deep, uh, you know, and rush three people and, and just basically say to Graham Harrell, look at, you're going to run the ball uh, every, because that's what we're giving you. And if you don't run the ball, thank you for playing defense along with us. And it's really going to be about uh, Graham Harrell, as far as I'm concerned, because uh, even if there's a big talent split between the SC offense and the Arizona defense, the fact of the matter is, if you're going to lose because of talent, don't lose because of strategy. Just say you beat us, you got better players. So if they're not back in the same type of defense as BYU and Notre Dame and now Arizona State, then uh, I'm sure that, that Arizona and all their players were looking at that Arizona State defense and going that we got to do that. We got to do that. I'm not saying that I, I still think SC should hang 30 or 40 points on them. But then again, I was wrong. I thought SC would score uh, at least 35 or more against Arizona State. And yeah, they were fortunate. They could have. Yes, go ahead. Arizona, it's, it's the same sort of challenge that Arizona State presented where you've got a, a absolutely new defensive staff. I mean, just like USC, new defensive coordinator, new position coaches all over there. Uh, Arizona brings in uh, former Iowa State head coach Paul Rhodes and Clay Elton said the last time that he called plays defensively what was, uh, I believe, 2017 when he was at Arkansas. Uh, so, so there's a little bit more uh, recency uh, in terms of being able to see some of his film than there was with, with Marvin Lewis there. But it's another, you know, football mind, longtime football mind coming in, and you know he's going to see USC's offense and say, Here, here's our answer to it. And, and it's going to look, again, a whole lot like the other team's answers uh, where they've been able to slow USC down. I mean, it, Arizona, we mentioned the guys who left in the offseason, just decimated at the linebacker position. USC is almost a team where you're okay if you don't have any linebackers. You, you just put a few extra safeties and, and corners out there. And like you said, you, 
you have eight guys in coverage and you just dare them to run the ball. Uh, there were some, there were some physical beats, I think, for the USC offensive line in, in those short yardage uh, situations. But again, if it's not something that you do routinely, if it's not something where you go into the season, you go into a game uh, where you know we can run the ball at will against whoever, it, it gets tough when it's third and one, when it's fourth and one, and, and it's not something that you do well and do all the time. And I think we saw a little bit of that against Arizona State, and I think they're going to get another test against Arizona. Arizona, absolutely, like you said, is going to make them going to make them run the ball and, and run the ball physically. And I think as much as Clay Helton and, and Graham Harrell praised Keaton Slovis, you know, for hitting checkdowns and getting running backs involved in the passing game, and, and I know there's sort of that idea of you know, a running back touch is a running back touch. And whether it's a, a carry or a reception, it kind of, it, it's sort of like that walk versus hit thing uh, in, in baseball where, yes, technically the, you know, the ball is in the running back's hand in this way, but what you're asking everyone else to do and, and kind of the, the physical, you know, beating that you can put on a defensive line when you're running the ball well, it's just not what you can do you know, when it's a swing pass or a check down or, or something like that. And ultimately the way those carries and touches tally up for your whole offense, they, they tally up in a different way, I think, in terms of what you're doing offensively. And so Arizona, yes, they're going to make you run the ball. They're going to make you be physical. I think, like you said, boy, that there are already a lot of points out on that field to, to go get. And I don't think that this is another game you mentioned earlier, you know, you want to take a look two, three games in and, and now see what you have. Uh, I, I think this is a game where if something happened against Arizona State and it happens again now, that's a trend. That, that's something where you could kind of say, OK, maybe we're getting this the rest of the year. So, so I think that offensive line is going to be uh, another, you know, it's, it's another game where that is something to watch for me uh, and how they handle some experience now uh, uh, on the Arizona front and can you really make Arizona change what they're going to do defensively to start the game? Well, you know, one thing I'll say about uh, the situation that USC's in with the philosophies that they're using uh, schematically wise, you know, when your offense is an air raid offense, you never really practice against a team that, let's say, it's forte is power offense. In other words, uh, if you run the air raid and then you play another team that's kind of like air raid, you know, you, you kind of just – it just kind of cancels each other out. But let's just say for the sake of argument, if SC had played Alabama, which I'm glad they didn't, and, I'm, and, and they don't play Notre Dame, which at this point I'm glad that they didn't, those teams would expose big time your – uh, your your weaknesses, and they would run a you know a three man rush on defense, and you know with with eight back, and they'd be superior athletes, and uh, you know you don't practice you don't get to practice against a Notre Notre Dame type offense at least the physicality of it. So the interesting part on on Saturday to me will be, regardless of the talent uh, disparity, you know the one thing. I did like about USC they played very hard you know they played very hard and that and that's a credit to their coaching staff you know playing hard is the first thing you have to do what good is it if you have talent if you don't play hard 
another thing to I think we have to pay attention to, honestly, uh, is uh, the possibility of Brett Milan not playing in the game and starting center and going with Justin Dietrich. Uh, how that might change things along the offensive line for SC and line calls and that sort of stuff, uh, which, you know, we uh, that have followed SC for decades know that sometimes when you have center changes like that, it can really uh, create a, you know, a, an, a challenge for the offensive line. I do think that, that Justin Dietrich is really a good player. He just, uh, you know, is kind of waiting his turn, so to speak. And I, I think he will do fine. Yeah, and, and that's an important to make. I, I think on the defensive side, too, is Brandon Peely is dealing with a, a broken finger. He had surgery on that. Both of those guys, Brett Nealon uh, with, his, with his sprained ankle and Brandon Peely with his finger are, are kind of day-to-day questionable, and, and we should get, uh, you know, more of an update um, as the game gets closer. But looking at that defensive line, too, without Brandon Peely there and, and some of the linebackers that are either, you know, out for the year or, or guys that are hurt, uh, that, that's where this kind of up-tempo Arizona attack can, can stress you a little bit, too. I mean, we saw – I don't know if, if uh, Paulie Naoteote and Raylan Goforth played every single snap uh, defensively against Arizona State, but if, if it wasn't every single one, it, w- it was just about every single one. Uh, and then when you're looking at, at Marlon Tuipolotu and kind of h- who his backups are up there, you want to keep those starters on the field uh, as much as possible because at this point, there just doesn't seem like there is a, a ton of depth available. And it's never a good idea. It's never a good thing at the beginning of the season uh, for, for it to be like that. So a few spots where definitely on, on Saturday, it's going to be worth watching. Well, the, one of the last things I, I wanted to get your thought on it, and I'm not really sure um, if there's kind of an easy answer to this. Do you see anything coming on Saturday or, or could USC do anything on Saturday that sort of proves it to you? If you see this again against an Arizona team that I, I think we both agree is, is coming in overmatched and, and I'd, assume privately is, is at least, you know, thinking, hey, if we can keep it close, that, that'll be a good thing for us. Uh, anything that USC can, can really prove or really do to make you think, okay, that, that's the team I, I think that they can be, you know, the following week at Utah or, or down the line again, if, if there's an appearance in a, a conference championship game. Well, the one thing I'll be looking at is turnovers. You know, I, wanted, I don't want to see four turnovers. Uh, and I think you'd probably get a, you know, a, a, a backup from uh, Graham Harrell and, and uh, Clay Helton. So let's see how many turnovers they can avoid this game. Uh, you know, if they beat Arizona, it, it certainly you're not going to go out and say, look who we just beat. But if you can beat the point spread, you can look good in doing it. Then I see that there's progress. And I, and I expect that to happen. If it doesn't happen, I'd say, you know, <laughs> that that doesn't bode well for the future because the bottom line is is it's not just about winning games at USC it's about winning championships it's about i don't i don't think winning the division is something that i go marching around and it's kind of like the dodgers winning the you know the the national league west for 9 years at some point you just go okay fine but you know it's about winning the world series and the world series of course in college football would be getting to the playoffs and, uh, you know, at some point winning it, uh, which I don't think SC is uh, at, at that 
point yet, that talent level, uh, and maybe even to be blunt about it, uh, their scheme of how they're going to go about doing that. Uh, but hopefully they win. Um, hopefully they look good in winning and hopefully they don't have any turnovers uh, because I think at this point in time, uh, you know, I, one other one I will add, uh, I'm very curious to watch the linebackers, the inside linebackers. I thought the Neotioti was almost invisible out there. He plays too much standing up. And, uh, you know, for all the, again, for all the hype that he got before the first season, you know, the kid had a lot of pressure to, to perform at that level. I don't think that he did. And it'll be very interesting to see how Arizona attacks him. And then give me a, a guy, um, e- either offense or defense, maybe a, a couple names. Um, you're, you're, you know, e- either kind of a key to the game or, or the guy that you expect, um, you know, will, will raise his game for Arizona State, may- maybe that kind of thing. J- just sort of uh, a focal point um, for you outside of the, the linebackers, like you mentioned. You mean, let me understand the question. I, for, for USC against yeah. Arizona? Yeah. A, a USC, you know, <laughs> kind of pick to click. Either someone who, again, you expect to, to raise his game in a big way from Arizona State or just a, a key for USC uh, against Arizona on Saturday. Well, I would say, I would say defensively, it's uh, going to be Drake Jackson. I think that, uh, that they learned something about him last game. I think they're going to want to have him get off. I think that we know uh, at what level he should be playing at on all four quarters. And let's see whether they put him in a position to be able to do it. Uh, Because I think he could have a big effect against uh, Gannell, who's not the elusive quarterback. He's basically stand-in-the-pocket type of guy for the most part. And and Drake should get a number of shots at him. And uh, I think Drake is a great player. Uh, and if they put him in the right spot and unleash him in the, to do the certain things, uh, you know, maybe we'll see Neodi Odi also. Uh, I, I mean, I know he's a middle linebacker, but I think he's better coming off the edge personally. Uh, so I'm looking at that. I think offensively, um, I think that, uh, that Amon Ross St. Brown is due for a big game. Uh, I think Drake London has proven that he's a potential first-round draft pick. But I think that Amon Rouse St. Brown, I think, is a favorite receiver uh, of Keaton Slovis. And I suspect that Amon Ra is ready for a, for a big game. So it wouldn't shock me if he went out there and, and you know, had, uh, you know, nine or ten catches with a couple of touchdowns along the way. It, it is funny that Amon Ra has, you know, he's done – what he's done during his USC career. And, and, and I agree with you, it, that Arizona State game was not something where he's kind of the focal point. Seven catches for 100 yards is kind of a, a ho-hum, you know, a, afterthought uh, performance for, from him at this point, which kind of tells you, you know, expectations for him and, and what he's already accomplished. So I, I think those are some good picks. Drake Jackson, uh, I think, becomes kind of, the question mark on defense. And I don't mean question mark as in, you know, is can he play for you or not? I, I think it, if he is that sort of elite player and, and putting up those kinds of, of stats, and it's not something where, you know, oh, his stats outweigh, you know, the, the team stats, but 
I don't think a guy like that can just be sort of a, a piece and, you know, oh, he'll, he'll show up kind of whenever he shows up. I, I think he's got to be a focal point and, and you've got to be able to feature him and, and let him set the tone for you. Uh, and, and Todd Orlando said that on Wednesday. He said, you know, we, we've got to be careful and, and cognizant of kind of what we're asking him to do, even though he's, you know, he is dropping back and he is rushing and, and he's doing a couple of those things. I don't think it's any secret that, that this guy is, you know, n times better rushing the passer than he is kind of dropping way off the line of scrimmage and, and getting into coverage. I, I think that he has the physical ability to do that, but you saw in that last defensive play for USC when Arizona State's facing, facing a fourth down, Todd Orlando mentioned it, Clay Helton mentioned it. He puts just an unreal pass, for, pass rush move on that Arizona State offensive tackle. And I don't know if he got tough. I mean, he's running straight at him and all of a sudden he disappears and is behind him. Uh, putting a ton of pressure in I think that's something that they're going to want to see and, and have to see more from him against Arizona but th this I think uh, we're both in agreement where this is a game where where again you try to go get healthy mentally and, and put a really close win behind you and start setting the table uh, for that Utah game the following week and then you're after after that Utah game you're, you're on the downhill uh, of, of the schedule somehow and you've you've kind of gotten through that first half of the season so this will be the first road test uh, for USC and again playing on the road seems to be you know maybe no different than, than playing at home obviously you've got the travel there but with no fans um, you, you don't really have that fight and not that Arizona is, is always, you know, a super difficult uh, road venue to, to play in with the noise, but not having to deal with that, I think helps USC certainly in that first conference game that has always been, you know, a, a hurdle uh, for, for USC, uh, certainly as far back as I can remember that that's always been kind of a, a tricky thing to come away with that first road win in, in conference play. Well, it should be interesting. I think you bring up an excellent point about no fans. I will say that I've been to Arizona Stadium when, when they've had fans there and they've had a presentable team and they can get pretty rowdy as well. Uh, but with no fans there, I know, I know that Arizona will come to play because this is their first game, so they'll be excited, fans or no fans. Uh, you know, hopefully SC doesn't treat this as, okay, let's just get by them, they, they suck type of mentality. Uh, because I think if they get caught in uh, a situation where it starts, you know, it's competitive in the second half, uh, you know, anything is possible. Uh, and hopefully uh, SC's not in that position. And, and I do think that USC learned a few things. I mean, I think they know with how few games they are, if you lose, you're, you might be out of the race. Uh, and if maybe in a season where all you can get to is that Pac-12 championship game, that, that's important. And I do think that some of the coaches mentioned the fact that they play, and you mentioned that they played hard that whole game. Yes, I, I don't think anyone is going to argue that those were some lucky bounces at the end of that game. I think continuing to play, continuing to play hard and, and to put yourself in a position to take advantage of those, I think that kind of speaks to, to the mentality of this team. And I also think that it, gets them to turn it up a, a few notches this week, knowing how close that was, knowing that that's not 
you know, what they want to put on the field in this shortened season where you only, you know, you, you get X minus however many games worth of plays this year uh, compared to, to a normal year. So I, I do think that they go ahead and, and put their best foot forward against Arizona, but, but we will see. It is a 12.30 p.m. kick uh, on Saturday at Arizona, USC looking to go 2-0 and in this 2020 season. So, Greg, appreciate it. For Greg Katz, this is Eric McKinney. Thanks for listening to the We Are SC podcast.